All right. Notice in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? I want you to notice the way he asked the question right there. It's like, you know, he's saying, you know, would any of you do this? You know, dare anybody do something like this amongst God's people? Would any of you dare go and be, if you have a conflict, to go be judged by the world instead of amongst the saints? Okay, and we use this passage too to show that you know Christians shouldn't be going to law against each other to the world. All right, we ought to be able to deal with things in the church. It says, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? All right. Now, what do people do in these church? You know, they talk about churches and Christians aren't supposed to judge. He's saying, "Hey, you ought to be able to judge matters. Are you not worthy? We, you're you're going to judge angels one of these days, or you're going to judge the world." It mentions angels later. You ought to be able to handle things, and you ought to be able to make good judgment. Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more? Things that pertain to this life. If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Okay, we would be better off taking the least esteemed person. If we were to take a vote right now, say, who do we think is the sorriest person in this church? All right, we're not going to do that. But if we were to do that, we would be better off letting them judge our dispute, our problem, then some judge who's got, you know, tons of college, tons of degrees, that's got gets all the worldly recognition, we'll be better off going to them. And you know, proof of that, let's just talk for a second about the highest judges in our land today. Let's talk about our Supreme Court and all the praise they get. And let's look at some of the decisions they've made. How about Roe versus Wade? They've allowed abortion to take place in this country. And we think those people are more qualified than we are to make decisions Involving us, the same Supreme Court that legalized gay marriage, we think those people should judge matters and not us. That's a bunch of foolishness right there. It doesn't even make sense. He says, but brother goeth to law with brother and that before unbelievers. Now, therefore, is there utterly a fault among you because you go to law one with another? Why do you not rather take the wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? You would be better off if I went... And I did something to you and I hurt you and it cost you money. Yes, legally, you could sue me, but it would be better for you to just suffer loss than to go out there to that wicked court system and to drag them into it. it we ought, as Christians, we ought to do everything we can to stay out of court. I'm not saying you never can go there. I'm not saying you never should go there. Sometimes we have to go there. Sometimes we have no choice. Okay? If you have a dispute with a lost person, do you think he's going to let our church decide what to do? Obviously not. Okay? I'm not saying you can't ever do it, but we ought to want to avoid it like a plague. One of my life goals is to stay out of those places. I don't want to, if I have to go, I'll go. But I, I do not want to go to those places. I, I don't like them. And so he says, Nay, you do wrong and defraud and that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulter, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And you know what? That's what a lot of people are. They're the judges out there. They don't... A judge does not lose his position because he committed adultery or idolatry. Our Supreme Court, 
most of them are idolaters because many of them are Catholic. And then the rest are Jews. I'm sure they probably worship idols too. I mean, they, they, we, you know, these, are, these are bad people. And this verse too here, you know, when he, in verse 11 he says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of your God. I want to just take this moment. It doesn't really have anything to do with the message. But one thing that is a, a very common thing that causes false doctrine in a lot of churches is people will take a verse and they will build a doctrine around it not taking into consideration what they are actually trying to teach in that. And what he, this verse where it says, and such are some of you, people always try to use it to prove homos can be saved and things like that. And that's, you know, and that's a bunch of foolishness. What he's trying to teach here is not who can get saved. He's trying to teach that, hey, you used to be in that crowd of extortioners and drunkards and all that. Why would you go before them for judgment? You know how they are. You know how lost people are. Why would you go before them for judgment? He's not trying to teach what you get saved out here. That is not the teaching of that passage right here. The teaching of this passage, when he says this here, is he's saying, you know that crowd. Some of you are from that crowd. Why would you be foolish enough to go to them for judgment? That's what he's trying to teach right there. That is, that is the main application of that verse right there. And what I want to preach tonight is about judging matters in the church, okay? Because there are going to be times when we need to make judgments. Where we as a church, we need to make decisions. Uh, there, there may be times when there are crimes committed. When somebody does something that's illegal. And listen, if somebody does something that's illegal, that is against the law of our state or our government, okay? Just so you all know here, we'll turn you over to the authority so fast that it'll make your head swim, all right? But at the same time, when it comes to, let's, for example, immorality, I'm not going to go off the world's laws. We're not going to go off the world's methods. We are going to judge these things here. We are going to make decisions. And that is completely appropriate. That is what we're supposed to do. And I'm preaching this because, you know, I've been, I've been doing study on this and just, you know, one of the things that I do, I'm, I'm very interested in judgment in the Bible. That's why I like reading the Old Testament, studying the Old Testament law. I'm very interested in these things because, you know, as a pastor, sometimes you have to make judgments. I like to make sure things are biblical. And whenever I see things going on, you know, I'm always kind of analyzing it and wondering how would I handle that situation? And is this being handled right? And I want to bring up a situation and I'm not gossiping. This is public news. It's all out there. Everybody knows about it and it's making, it's making pretty good waves right now. But there was a situation here a while back where a pastor of a church found out that the former pastor had been committing adultery with a 16-year-old girl in his church. Okay? The current pastor found out the former pastor had done this. Now, that is illegal, isn't it? That is illegal. But here's the thing. Even if it's not illegal, that's completely wicked, isn't it? Now, and that pastor... He went and the, the, for, the former pastor was working in a Bible college where this pastor had a lot of his students and he called and he let the administration know about it. And they didn't do anything about it. And they kind of, you know, and so he, they did a little bit, but he didn't like what they did with it. So he went and he made it public what had happened. He made it public that this man was a pervert. And a lot of people are attacking him right now for doing this. A lot of people are saying he didn't handle it biblically. And I read an article this week 
that just to me illustrated the biblical ignorance of many preachers today. And especially, you know, they're, they're, like two generations ago, not necessarily my dad's generation, but the generation before that, there were some serious flaws that they had in dealing with scandals that I'm, I'm, I'm just going to call it out and say it was, it was bad the way they handled things. And I read the article this man wrote, and I'm reading this in light of what the Bible actually teaches and what happened in this situation, and I was amazed at how off he was and really just how wicked this article was. His name, the, uh, the, the preacher, I don't think he's a pastor anymore, I think he's an evangelist now, his name's Tom Neal. Because I, I personally believe the pastor did the right thing when he called out this guy and publicly let everyone know. I, I think it was completely appropriate, but he is, he's being attacked. And so this pastor, this uh, our evangelist Tom Neal, he's, I believe, 71 years old. Yeah, he's 71 years old that he mentioned. And he illustrated some things in this article that I want to share to just show how unbiblical it is and how wrong it was. And I believe this man actually handled it right. And I want everybody to know this here because let me tell you all something. Especially if, you, if, we, if we ever hire anyone here on staff and they do something immoral, like adultery, fornication, things like that, okay? If, and especially if it's illegal, like with somebody under, underage, okay, obviously as a church we can't throw people in prison. But if you do something illegal like that, I, would, I will do everything I can to make sure you go to prison. I'm going to hope you get as much time as possible. And when you get out of prison, all right, if we had a man that was on staff here that went and messed with a 16-year-old girl, I would want them to go to prison and it would be my prayer that when they got out of prison, they'd get hit by a bus on the very first day. Right, that's what I want to happen to you if you ever do anything like this because that is wicked. Right, that, is, that is very wicked. And we're not going to show any mercy there. We're not, we're not going to try to restore you back to your position when you have violated trust in such a gross, criminal, disgusting way. You can never be trusted again in a situation like that. And I'm sick of watching these preachers try to restore perverts. Have they never read Romans 1? Have they never read what the Bible says about this stuff? You don't, you don't restore perverts. You put down perverts. And that's what the Bible teaches. And so, I want us to look at some of the mistakes the previous generations made that had caused them to have such bad judgment on these things and why immorality runs rampant in certain circles, even in the Baptist world. And it is. It's in certain circles more than others. And it's because of the way they handle it. That's why they have these problems. So the first problem they did, turn to 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 8. I'm just going to read one verse from there. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 8. Their first mistake they made is they assume that older means wiser. They assume that older means wiser. Now, you know what? Most of the time it does. But let me tell you something. It's not a guarantee. Okay? And the first thing he put, set, puts in his article, he starts his article off like this. Tom Neal, he says, I am 71 years old. And then he, that, that's like the first thing. He did. I am 71 years old. I, I know what I'm talking about, folks. I've been around the block a few times. I've been involved in more than one scandal. I've been involved in more than, I'm adding that part in, more than one cover-up, you know? Covered for my son, for videotaping girls, changed their clothes in his office. Yeah, yeah, that's who this guy is. And so, you know, yeah, he, he knows how this goes, how this works. And he kept referring to in this, about Jack Treber, which is where this pastor, he went to be on Stafford, Pastor Jack Treber out in California. And he kept talking about the older and wiser Jack Treber. 
the Stacy Shiflet, the one who called out this guy, you know, he kept talking about, you know, he's this young, foolish, and you know, he got older, wiser. Okay? And what they like to do, they love to bring up 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 8, talking about Rehoboam. Look what it says. But he forsook the counsel of the old men which they had given him and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him which stood before him. Y'all see that right there? The kingdom ended up getting split because he listened to the young men instead of the old men. And yeah, it's true. But let me t- listen. Okay? I know y'all aren't the Baptist preachers here right now. Okay? You hear me harp on this stuff all the time. But once again, okay, you don't get to create commands from stories that are in the Bible. Sometimes the Bible's just telling us what happened. Okay? And in this particular story, the old men got it right, the young men got it wrong. Okay? And most of the time in life, that's probably how it's going to happen. But that's in 1 Kings chapter 12. What I always tell you whenever people do stuff wrong, just keep reading. Alright? Just keep reading. Let's look at what it says in 1 Kings chapter 13. Alright? Chapter 12, then chapter 13. Because if they're going to use that, if they're going to use that story to basically teach a doctrine that the old men are always right and the young men are always wrong and the young men should always listen to the old men. Okay? If that's justified, well then I can do the opposite and say you shouldn't listen to the old men, they're all liars. Because look what it says in 1 Kings chapter 13. This is the story where God told the prophet to go in, give his prophecy, don't eat anything, don't drink anything, you get out of there and you come the same way you went, don't stop, don't eat anything, don't drink anything. But it says, now there dwelt there an old prophet in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words that he had spoken to the king, then they had told his father. And then we'll jump down to verse 15. Then said he unto him, he finds that young prophet, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, the young prophet's talking, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread, nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me, by the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou... Uh, to go by the way thou camest. He said to him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And I'm an old prophet. I'm older than you, son. I'm adding that in there. I've been preaching since you were in diapers. You know, it's pretty much what he's saying. I'm a prophet as thou art. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. Y'all see that? So if they can take 1 Kings chapter 12, and say, young men always should listen to old men, then I can take 1 Kings 13 and say, the old preachers are liars and you shouldn't trust them. Now, would it be appropriate for me to do that? Absolutely not. Okay? And it's not appropriate for them to take 1 Kings chapter 12 and do that either. It's the exact same thing. Okay? End of the, end of the day, the young men got it wrong in the one story, the old men got it right. In this story, an old man lied and a young man rejected the Word of God. You know how many times I've had old preachers tell me I should listen to them because they're old? I haven't really yet, but the Bible says this. The Bible's a lot older than you are. You know, and they, they want me to listen to them over the Bible. But I'm telling you, that is a common thing in the old IFB world. And it's a bunch of garbage. There's a lot of old prophets out there that are liars. There's a lot of old prophets out there that God has quit using. And that's what happened with this old prophet. I, mean, I don't know, I'm reading into the story, but I think, he's, you know, I think he found out about this young prophet and he's like, man, why didn't the Lord talk to me? Why didn't He send me to the king? You know, is God done with me? And let me tell you, God's done with a lot of these old buzzards. 
that have perverted the Word of God and that have lied and have failed and who have compromised, God's done with these people. And there are, there's a lot of old warriors. They've just quit fighting. And you know what? We're thankful for what they did in the past. But I'm sorry, the battle's still raging right now. We, didn't, you know, we don't just get... They quit. We don't get to quit with them. We've got to keep going in their place. And it is, it's up to us, this generation, to face the giants that they fail, failed to kill. And there's a lot of giants they failed to kill. Okay? They failed to kill the giant of dispensationalism. They let that garbage get taught in their churches. And it has destroyed so much doctrine. And there are many things. You know, they are, they, they're, they're, they've quit fighting for standards and convictions. They've quit fighting for a lot of these things. And all this modernism that's creeping into even churches pastored by the old guys. They've quit fighting. And you know what? They're about to die off. And I'm still supposed to be fighting the battle. So you know what? Sometimes the younger generation, they got to step over those dead corpses and they got to go and they got to keep on fighting. But what do these guys want to do? They want to keep hiding behind dead corpses. They want to keep refuting what the Bible clearly says with the words of dead men. Okay? I'm not hiding behind dead corpses with them. I'm going to step over those things and keep on fighting. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy 4.12. Because we're disobeying the Bible. Whenever we let them do this to us. Play the old man card. You know what we're doing? We're doing something Paul told Timothy not to do. Paul told Timothy, said, let no man despise thy youth. But be, and it's clear in this article, Tom Neal despises the youth of Pastor Shiflett. He despises the youth. And you know what? And I know all the rules of being a Baptist preacher. All right? I know all the rules of that stuff. Whenever the old man speaks, you sit down, you shut up, and you do what he says to do. Paul said, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. Okay? You know, I'm, so when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to what the Bible says, I'm not going to let any despise, man despise my youth. I'm going to preach the truth in word. I'm going, to, I'm going to live it in conversation. It says, I'm going to love it in charity. I'm going to enjoy what I do. I'm going to do it with a heart of love. I'm going to mean it. I'm going to do it in spirit. I'm not going to doubt it. I'm going to do it in faith and I'm not going to pervert it. I'm going to do it in purity. All those things that Paul told Timothy to do. He said, let no man despise these. He said, you be an example. You know what he's telling them? He's telling them, go ahead and be an example to people that are older than you. And that's, I'm afraid that's what this generation needs to do. The previous generation has failed in so many areas. It's time for them to step up. And set the example. And Pastor Shiflett, he's not—he's not young, all right. He's like in his fifties, all right. I still think that's old. I think he's in his fifties. He's probably—he's he's probably around there. I don't want to insult him, in. but I mean, I don't think that I don't—I'm I'm offending people in here now. But anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. But uh, you know, that's not that young, all right. That is—that's—that's that's not that young. But here's the thing: I actually think the way he came forward and did this has been great. I think the IFB world needed to see this. Because you know what? If everybody in the IFB world is calling out these perverts and helping them get thrown in jail, and guess what? Perverts are going to go to the Methodist church and the Catholic church. and They're not going to want to come to the Baptist churches. We've got to expose these rats. We've got to throw them to the dogs. And we've got to, we've got to let them suffer. That way, we can keep these people out of our church. We got a lot of precious kids around here. We don't need perverts in here. And so we do. We need to call them out. 
But the, the old IFB, they do. They, they just assume older means wiser. And they will even reject the Word of God. I've listened to some of the most... And, you know, I, I understand giving a guy who's getting old and losing his mind a break. Alright? There's, you know, there's one of these days I might come and lose my mind and somebody might want to just to honor me, let me get up and preach. And I might say some stupid stuff. And, you know, you, but you just got to take it for what it is. Alright? He's old and he's losing his mind. I believe in respecting older preachers. And there's some older preachers that are out there that they ain't making much sense anymore. But back in the day, they could tear it up. Okay? I'm all for honoring them, but here's the thing. I'm going you know, to follow what they did back in the day when they were right with God. Now that they're old and don't even know what they're talking about anymore, I'm not following that. All right? And I don't, I don't think I have to follow that. And cause Once again, just because older doesn't mean wiser. So look at 1 Peter chapter 5. This is the other thing they've done. They viewed the office of a pastor as the office of a king instead of the office of a president. All right? Now, I'm not trying to compare the pastor to the President of the United States so much, but listen, a king has all the power and makes all the rules. Okay? That's just how it works in a king. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5. Oh, I don't have that one. I have to look that up. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1. This is very, very important, and this is something that has just been forgotten in a lot of places. And I think it's something that we need to, we need to live by says, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Look at this. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Y'all see that? We are not lords. Okay? A pastor is not a lord. A pastor is an overseer. Okay? A pastor is somebody that you do need to submit to to a certain level because they oversee things in the church. They are a leader in the church. But we're not lords. We don't just get to make up our own rules. We don't just get to make things up. We're supposed to be in samples of the flock. In other words, we're supposed to be living what the Bible teaches. Being in, you know, putting it on active display where you can see it. It says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder... Yea, all of you be subject to one another, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Okay, a president, this is the difference between a king and a president. A president has limited powers, don't they? The president, while he does have a lot of power in our country today, you know, and unfortunately they're getting more and more power all the time. But the way it was set up, the way it was supposed to work, you know, the president, he was supposed to uphold the Constitution of the United States. He is to be in subjection to the Constitution. A pastor is to be in subjection to the Word of God. And a pastor is in subjection to Jesus Christ also. We don't get to teach things that are contrary. And a pastor does. A pastor has limited authority and he is to submit to the Word of God. But that is not what's going on. These guys, they just want to make the rules. They want to be judge, jury, and executioner and every single thing. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. And these guys too... I mean, it's to the point where even when it comes to certain doctrines, I mean, a lot of these old guys, they won't listen to me, you know, they won't listen to somebody me just because I'm young and they're old. There's even other guys out there, they won't listen to the truth, not because of them or what the Bible says, but because of what another preacher says. Okay? I, I love Brother Hiles, but I'm sick of hearing people invoke Hiles. And wait till I see where he invoked Hiles in this article. 
Okay? All those guys always invoke Heil at some point. Always. And he did in this article. It didn't even make any sense. But it gives you credibility. Okay? No matter where... And listen, I've done this before. But when I do it, I do it different than the old IFB does. There have been times I have, used, I have invoked Jack Hiles when making an argument. Now, why do I do that? Because Dr. Jack Hiles is not my authority. You know, he, I, I do not submit to his teachings. So why do I invoke Jack Hiles sometimes? Just to make the old IFB go crazy. Just to show them, hey, while you all want to act like you're better than me because I'm loyal to the Bible and you're loyal to Jack Hiles, just so you know, you're not loyal to Jack Hiles. He thought dispensationalism was stupid. You know, he, he preached about reprobates, you know, and you know, they, I, so I will invoke them, him just to drive people crazy, just to get them going. But as far as does that have any influence on my doctrine? Absolutely not. I do it just to annoy and that's it. All right. These people do it because that is their life and that is their authority. They invoke Kyle's like I invoke the word of God. And that's, that's stupid. And that doesn't mean Jack Kyle's is a bad guy. It just means these guys are idiots when they do that. But look what it says in Matthew chapter 23. So they've, um, you know, mistakes they've made. They assume older means wider. They view the office of a pastor as being a king instead of more like a president. And then also they've created ranks in fundamentalism. You say they haven't done that. I hear it all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Keith Gomez preaching and he talks about in the ranks of fundamentalism. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, Second boy, I see going on in the ranks of fundamentalism. Oh, really? In the ranks of fundamentalism? Could you please stop and elaborate on that? I just wanted to stand up. Hey, time out. Can you please let me know what rank I am in this? And what rank are you? That's what I really want to know. I want to know what rank you're in. What are these ranks? What are they called? Is it like military? You know, what, what's the, what do I have to do to get promoted? You know, <laughs> it's, it's a stupid thing to say. And it's an unbiblical thing to say. And, but the thing is, it's true, there are ranks in fundamentalism. And I'll explain how the ranks work in just a minute. But let's look at Matthew chapter 23 to see if it's okay. Jesus is talking about the Pharisees here. He says, But all their works they do for to be seen of men. For they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and be called of all men, Rabbi, Rabbi. They love those titles. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master... Even Christ. One is my master. Y'all say, one is my master, even Christ. So what does that mean? That means the next promotion is Christ. I'm not going to get that promotion. Y'all see that? The one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. What does that mean? Okay? Now I know kids try to, you know, just like Baptists are a bunch of little kids and try to create ranks and fundamentalism, kids often try to create ranks in their house, don't they? You know, I'm the oldest, so I'm the boss. You know, and sometimes you put older ones in charge of certain things. But at the same time, when he's saying all oh, your brethren, you know what he's doing? He's saying you're all equal. That's what he's saying right there. And he says, and call no man your father upon earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Okay? A father would outrank you, but we're not outranked. So we don't call people father on earth. We've got one that's our father in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. So right there, we see how unbiblical that is to create ranks in fundamentalism. Now, what are ranks in fundamentalism? All right? How do you get promoted up the ranks? Well, church size is huge. All right? 
Church size is one of the biggest things if you want to get moved up the ranks of fundamentalism. But then after that, it's influence, all right? So if you can create a following, that can help, all right? If, or if you can create a platform. So in other words, if I'm a smaller preacher, if I've got a smaller church, but I have a meeting that is a really popular meeting that a lot of preachers come to, that can get me moved up the ranks a little bit. Or if I have a newspaper, like Sword of the Lord, Revival Fires, you know, if, if you can create a meeting or a conference that's really big, that can help move you up the ranks too. And so it's really church size or influence. Church size will help you get greater influence, but it is possible to gain quite a bit of influence without the big church size. Okay, and so where do you rank? You know, how, how big is your influence? You know, and the bigger your church is, the more that helps and the, whatever platform you've created, that can help. That, those things are what help you move up the ranks. Now, that's just a bunch of foolishness right there. Okay, who cares if I got a newspaper that every preacher reads? Does that make me more right than somebody else? Just because I have more influence? Just because I'm older? Just because I have name recognition? That's a bunch of foolishness right there. But that is what's being taught. And look at what, what uh, Tom Neal said in his article. He said, Many fellow preachers have encouraged me to weigh in on this matter because of what they see being done to other men of God who simply are following scriptural principles. I am here to announce to you that Tom Neal is ready to fight Stacy Shiflett until he stops being a little man. I am ready to expose him and his accusers for what they really are and for the errors they are making. Now, you all see that right there? Calling him a little man. You know, this, this little guy, he's nothing. I've preached with Jack Hiles. You know, I've walked with the greatest men that ever walked in shoe leather. You know, I've done this, I've done that. He's a nothing. You all never heard about him. He's got a pretty good sized church, but you know, he's not on the up high on the pyramid in the sword of the Lord paper. You know, on the, you know, you don't see his picture everywhere and all. He's only been pastoring there for five or six years, something like that, I think. And so, they what he's trying to do here is he's I Tom Neal going to fight little Stacy Shiflet. Why would you listen to him? I outrank him big time. He's a nothing. And you know, many preachers are asking me to weigh in on this. Why? Do they need you to figure out what's right and wrong in this situation? Oh, I got all these people just begging me, you know, Pastor, what do you think about this? You know, Pastor, you know, what do you think ought to be done? What should have been done? You know what you ought to say to these people? Hey, are you morons? Have you ever read the Bible? Have you ever read 1 Corinthians 6? Hey, have you ever read that you know, we're supposed to judge things in the church? And listen, this situation that Pastor Shiflet is judging happened in his church. It happened in his church. And him and his deacons and many men in his congregation, they talked to the accusers, they looked at the evidence, and they judged it as being credible. That's exactly what the Bible says to do. And what are these clowns saying? These kind of, this needs to be turned over to the proper authorities. And they need to go. And then basically, they start quoting all the stuff about you know how our government does stuff. Is our government doing things right when it comes to the court system? We'll look at some of that in a little bit. But they're saying, they're saying we need to let them deal with this. 
Pastor Shiflett dealt with it in his church like the Bible says to do. These guys are saying he needs to shut up and he needs to let the lost people deal with it. Are you kidding me? Are you, are you kidding me? And this is a high-ranking preacher. A high-ranking preacher, 71 years old. He's got to be a general, right? You know, and here, I'm sure he's a doctor. I'm sure he's Dr. Tom Neal. I'm sure he is. And he's, he's getting on him, calling him a little man as the pastor of his church who judged a situation like the Bible says to do. And he's going to go and jump all over him for that, that kind of foolishness, that kind of arrogance is what is destroying the old IFB and why perverts are running rampant in those churches. You know, if a younger pastor talked about an older pastor like that, you know what? I mean, if I just got up here and I just started calling Tom Neal names, I mean, you know how many old IFBers would just shut me off right then? Even though I'm looking at his words and I'm looking at I'm, I'm saying, this was wisdom. This is, this is, he's talking about following biblical principles. You know, if I start thinking things like ignorant, stupid, moron, people are going to get really mad at me because he's old, high ranking, he's a general, I'm a private. You know, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I might be a corporal, I don't know. But anyway, it, it's foolish. He said, he said also in his article, Stacy Shiflett could not tie Jack Hyle's shoelaces. I don't know how Jack Hiles came into the thing, but he could not tie Jack Hiles' shoelaces. Stacy Shiflett is not even in the same league as Jack Hiles. Oh yeah, there's no ranks in fundamentalism right there. Oh, we got whole different leagues apparently. He's not even in the same league as Jack Hiles. Jack Hiles was a man of principle and wisdom. He handled matters with greater care and concern than any man I have ever known. It is foolish for us to allow someone like Stacy Shiflett and his newfound followers to have free access to criticizing and slandering Dr. Hiles. I, I don't know where he did that. I, I could be missing something. I don't know where he criticized Brother Hiles. Maybe he did. I, I don't know. But at the same time, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, someone likes Stacey Shifflett. Okay, so could you criticize Jack Hiles? You know... And, he, you know, he, he's not even worthy to tie his shoelaces. He's talking about how Jack Hiles handled it. You know, that has nothing to do with Bible. That has, that has nothing to do with anything. You know what it is? It's called, once again, it's Bob Gray does it all the time. I am a contemporary with Hiles. Therefore, I'm up there, folks. People gave Brother Hiles uh, probably more respect than you should give any man. It's not, I'm not, I'm picking on him for it. But people did pretty much worship the guy. And he had a ton of influence. And when he died, a lot of guys went bad because they were doing things because Jack Hiles did it and not because it's what the Bible taught. There was a lot of things that Jack Hiles preached, a lot of his positions that were accurate, that were dead on. He didn't always use a lot of Bible to prove it, but he was right. Those guys held those positions as long as he was alive. When he died, they, they left it. They're not, they're not following those things anymore. And it's sad, but when you, it's very clear at the way he's invoking him here. You see how he's creating leagues? He's creating levels. And here he is. He is trying to do everything he can to put Pastor Shiflett down to help give his testimony credibility. But I'm sorry. I don't see ranks. Okay? I, I don't see ranks. 
If anything, Pastor Shiflett's actually a pastor. Tom Neal, he's just an evangelist. He's just not a motivational speaker. Okay? Evangelists today are not evangelists. They're motivational speakers. If they don't even go soul winning, they're not evangelists. They're motivational speakers. They're in the same group as Zig Ziglar and people like that, except they preach some Bible. And I, I, I would actually, if I was going to be dumb enough to create ranks, I'm putting him below Brother Shiflett. They can make ranks in leagues, I can too. And I put pastors above motivational speakers. I'm sorry. I, I don't, but it's clear that's what they're doing. That is so wrong that it's so unbiblical, it's not even funny. Pastor Shiflett, this happened in his church. It happened at their place. You say, well, yeah, but he took it outside of his church when he went and attacked Pastor Treber's church for how he handled it. Well, here's the problem with that. I, if you, you almost have me there, except for the problem that we have, and that is Bible colleges are not a biblical institution. Bible colleges are a new thing that pastors have come up with, and they are taking people out of their local churches, sending them over there to be trained when they should be being trained in their church, and they have basically, these Bible colleges are creating denomination-like situations. And so when you are, when you're connected with a Bible college like that and you're sending all your young people to that college, I'm sorry, you're basically in a denomination at that point. If all of our young people are graduating high school and we're sending them out to a Bible college or some sister church somewhere, we're connected with that church. All right? I'm sorry, we're, we're connected with that church. We are working together at that point. We're pretty much just a satellite church out of that one. And so, you know, yeah, none of that's biblical. Alright? Well, here's the thing. Because you've, they've created that, he is no longer just going outside of his church and attacking another church anymore. They are a part of the same thing there. And we, that's just another mess. And because of that mess that they've created there, it's going to create situations like this that are very difficult. But I do believe that he had a right to do that because of the fact he had his students there. That college advertises all over America. We've gotten stuff from them before. We've gotten phone calls from Golden State Baptist College trying to get them to have our tour, their tour group come through here so they could sing for us and uh, try to push their college, Bible college and our young people. You know what? If they're going to be doing that, if they're going to be going and trying to get their foot in the door of churches all over America, trying to get our young people to leave their homes and to leave their churches, to go over to there, you know what? We need to know if they got perverts running that college. We need to know about it. And if somebody knows about it, they ought to say something about it. They ought to let everybody know about it. That would be the wise thing to do. This is not a matter of just one church versus another church somewhere. This is something where this is a big Bible college that has a lot of influence all over America, and it needed to be known. And you know, let me tell you something. Cameron Giovanelli is not the first pervert to come out of Golden State Baptist College. All right? And I'm not going to go into some of the other ones that they've had in there. But some of these people, they've got a history of this junk. And nobody calls them out on it. Finally, somebody does in a big way, and these guys are having a hissy fit, and the powers that be are doing everything they can to scare everybody and attack this pastor so other guys will shut up. Because the last thing they need is about 30 or 40 Stacey Shiflets out there that know stuff opening their mouths. Because if they did, these Bible colleges would be done for. They would be done for. And let me tell you, I hope, I hope that Pastor Shiflet's not the last one that comes forward on this stuff. I hope a lot more people start uh, sounding the trumpet on this.
And so, they've created ranks of fundamentalism. They've patterned their method of judging after the world's methods. Okay, listen to this. So, he had this whole section here. The manner in which the accusations were handled. He's going to talk about how he... Here's how he handled them. Here's what was wrong. When Stacey Shiflett received an accusation from one person against the former pastor of his church, he should have gotten on an airplane and flew out to see him for the purpose of getting his side. Oh, I'm going to remember that next time I go and I break a law in another state somewhere and they want me to go back there for court, I'm going to tell them, no, you've got to bring the court to me. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard right there. You know, he needs to have all the expense and all this. He said, a phone call is not the way you should handle a situation such as this. But to make matters worse, even in his phone call, he did not ask for the man's side, but accused him without giving him an opportunity to deny the charges. Well, maybe it's because, like Pastor Shiflett said, he's seen the text messages. He has seen the proof. He has it. They're not, he's not allowed to release all this stuff because it's still out to go to courts and everything. But according to him, he saw the evidence. He saw the messages. So why would he... Hey, did you send these things that I can see you sent? You know? Did you really say what I heard you say? You know? It, it makes sense that he would do that. All right? He saw that he did it. Why does he have to ask? All right? And besides, if they're going to go off of our law, you know, we don't have to incriminate ourselves, right? We have the right to remain silent. So what do they have to do? They accuse us, right? They accuse us of something. They charge us with something. So I think what he was, he was going actually according to our laws, I charge you with being a pervert. <laughs> I've seen the evidence. And so uh, it says he already pronounced him guilty. He has already decided that he was guilty. Nothing Brother Cameron could say mattered because Stacy had already judged him guilty. When he denied the accusations, Stacy Shiflett did what he does in every situation when people don't want what he wants, do what he wants. He threatened. He threatened to expose him. He threatened to attack him. When someone says they're going to expose a man who claims to be innocent, there is a problem. We must assume innocence until we know he is guilty. However, Stacy unjustly threatened to expose what Brother Cameron vehemently denied. Okay? Innocence should always be assumed until guilt is proven in a just matter. And I agree with that. Okay? I agree we need to take... I preached about accusations a while back. We need to take those very serious. And if somebody just comes and they make an accusation and you have no proof, you can't expect me to run with that. Okay? But if you actually show me the proof, like supposedly happened in this situation, then what am I waiting for? Am I supposed to drag things out like our court system does? That takes months and even years sometimes? You know how many pastors I've heard of that have gotten busted for things that were already under investigation for other things and it was taking months and years to deal with them? And they did other things in the meantime? You know what? If they had executed justice swiftly, they wouldn't have done the second crime later. You know, how many people have to get molested before we're going to just finally say, hey, we've got to stop this and we've got to deal with this guy. But I do, I agree innocence should be assumed until it's proven in a just manner. But the thing is, if it's proven, it's time to move. It's time to do something. It's time to... And you know, he keeps talking about threats. He kept talking about threats. You know, Stacey was always threatening people. Like, it's, like threats are a terrible thing. Now, an empty threat, there's something wrong with an empty threat. I shouldn't just be going around making empty threats. But let me make a threat to all of you here. If I find out you're a pervert, I'm turning you in. Okay? I just threatened all of you. Okay? And I, I mean that threat. I will follow through with it. 
If you're a pervert, please go find another church. I don't want any scandals in this church. I, I don't want you hurting anybody in this church. If you're a pervert, please move on. And if you won't move on, then if I find out you're a pervert, I will go to the authorities so fast. I said, and I hope you go to prison and I hope you get hit by a bus when you come out. That is, and I mean that. Okay? And that's not an empty threat, but it is a threat. You know, it's, it, and, it, and I'm going to follow through. Pastor Shiflett, he said, hey, if you don't do this, this is what I'm going to do. And you know what he did? He did what he said he was going to do. I call that telling the truth. That's what, that's what I call that. And so, but, you know, everybody just has a statute, oh, threats are bad. Well, yeah, you shouldn't just go, you know, I'm going to kill you. You know, I'm going to, you know, if you're going to tell somebody you're going to do something, you should follow through, that you should tell the truth. Otherwise, it's lying. Okay? Lying's bad. Threat, not necessarily. But look at, um, look at Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11. Because these guys, they act like they, they're trying to do things biblically. No, they're trying to do things in an American way. Okay? Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11. It says, Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. He's saying you've got to deal with things quickly. Quickly is the way things need to be dealt with. You don't wait. You don't take your time. If you do, they're just going to be more set to do evil. It's only going to cause more trouble. Matthew 5.25, Jesus Himself is talking here. And He says, Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I send thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Farthing. What he's talking about here, he's like, hey, when you've got a dispute, you need to take care of these things quick. Matters need to be dealt with quickly. That's the way it's supposed to be done. That's the way it was originally set up in our Constitution. The Sixth Amendment says, In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. Y'all are still in the state. All right? He didn't need to go out to California. Cameron should have come to Maryland, I think is where he's from. And the crime where it's been committed, which Dickert shall have been previously ascertained by the law, to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Okay, a speedy, all right? A speedy and a public trial. If I get accused, of something that's really bad. Okay, first of all, I've seen, I'm seeing this a lot in Baptist churches where a pastor gets accused of something really nasty and they always got to shut up and they can't say anything, you know, because their lawyers are telling them to be quiet and they got to wait for this and wait for that. If some woman comes along and tells me I committed adultery, says I committed adultery with her, I don't need a lawyer, all right? I'm like, um, I didn't do nothing. I, I don't know how I could say anything to incriminate me. Because I'm completely innocent. Okay? Now, if I've been guilty of something, if I have done something bad, if I have done something illegal, it's very necessary that I may need a lawyer because I don't want to incriminate myself. I don't want to end up getting myself charged with something else. See, what happens a lot of times, and this is what, whenever these people start talking about false accusations, this is another American way here. Alright? So, for example, some woman comes along, pastor did this to me, you know, seven times. Well, it was actually six. So now the pastor can claim that was a lie. I didn't do that. I'll take a lie detector test. That didn't happen. Did you do this seven times? Nope. It was actually six, but you know, I'll pass the lie detector because I'm not lying, right? 
But here's the thing. I got to be careful what I say because I can still get in trouble for all those other times. And so when people do, they start lawyering up in situations like that. It's because they're guilty. They do have some guilt in that situation. But listen, right now, I'm just going to tell you right now, and I'm not, I'm not just trying to talk, but I'm as pure as the wind-driven snow in that area. I'm, not, I'm telling you, I w- if somebody accuses me of something, I'm not going to have any problem publicly saying, never happened. Never happened. There is, they have no proof. There is no proof. I'm not going to be worried about it. You know, but these guys, they're, they're all so careful. They always have to read their statements that was written by a lawyer. And we can't take questions right now. I'll take your questions. Anybody, anybody suspicious? You know, I'll take your questions. I'm not worried about incriminating myself. I haven't done anything. I'm innocent. I'm clean in this. But the way these guys act, it's just like politicians. When they get busted for stuff. When they get accused. And while a lot of times, too, cases get thrown out maybe because it wasn't a reliable witness. If they can bust them for lying for one thing, you know, it'll cause all the other... They'll throw everything out. But here's the, you know, here's the thing. There are, there's been a lot of cases in the past. There's things that we've seen. You know, OJ. Right, we'll talk about OJ, you know. And a lot of us watched the court stuff. I was just a teen, I was just, I think I was like 12 or 13 when that happened. I remember watching the court for that. Okay? We all know he did it, all right? We all, we all know he did it, but at the same time, the way our laws are, because he was so rich and had a lot of good lawyers, he got off, right? Do we as a church have to accept the judgment of lost people? Alright, so if somebody here in the church is a pervert, and we find out, and they get found not guilty by a corrupt court, does that mean now we can't find them guilty ourselves and cast them out of the church? Do we think that they outrank us when it comes to the things of God and how this church is run? I believe Jesus said, Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Jesus Christ gave us a lot of authority and we don't have to accept their ways. Okay, If one of you in here, you do something, you're a pervert, we're going to turn you over, but if they don't put you in jail right away, if we want, we can have our own inquiry. We can check things out ourselves and we can determine whether you're guilty or not guilty. And we can execute judgment as far as throwing you out of the church. That's as much as we can do. We're not even allowed to whip anybody. All right? But we'll, we'll do that. We'll throw you out of the church. We're allowed to do that despite what they do. But what are these preachers saying? It's like they don't know that. We've got to let the courts do their thing and we're going to respect what they come up with. And listen, there's a lot of situations too because there's statute of limitations and things like that. A lot of times their hands are tied. And even though people know, you know, for a fact they're guilty, a lot of times the law will not allow them to find them guilty. Do we have to go along with that? that the, the reason it's like that because of their flawed laws. You know, we do have a flawed system, but we don't have a flawed Bible. And we have the authority to make decisions in these things, and we ought to do these things. And so when something criminal takes place, we need to turn things over to the proper authorities, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have our own inquiry. And so, you know, how, I mean, how sorry do you think your church is to think a bunch of lost people can judge better than your church can? Just how, you know, how pathetic are the people in these churches? They do act like all their people are dumb and never read their Bible the way they preach. Some of the false doctrine they're teaching. They judge things in the church the way the world does in a sense that 
the defense the defense attorneys often use flawed laws and loopholes to get their client off, don't they? We all know that happens. They'll use a flawed law, they'll use a loophole to get their client off. Do we have to do that here? We don't have to do that. So once again, we're just throwing people out of the church. We're not putting them to death. You know, we're not anything like that. Look, this is another thing he said in his article. He says, for the time being, I'm going to be extremely delicate, but you can rest assured that won't last for long. Sounds like he's threatening here. If Stacey Shiflett continues to attack my friends, this accuser has a history that is very unsavory. Talking about the woman. Well, yeah. She was 16 years old and she's messing with this old dude. All right. I understand legally she doesn't really have any responsibility there, but yeah, I'm sorry. Morally, there was something wrong with her too. Okay, I yeah, any woman that commits adultery with another man is a bad woman. Okay, they have serious problems, but I don't care if she is the most wicked Jezebel and the most seductive pile of garbage that's ever walked the face of the earth. A pastor ought to be able to control himself. They wanted to talk about how she dressed and her so now let's read some more of this stuff. It says her husband is suspect in this character. Well, maybe he's not saved. I don't know. Neither appear, neither appear to have any Christian values. Well, yeah, probably not if she's doing all this stuff. I will not yet go into what I've discovered. Suffice it to say that the accusations made against Brother Cameron pale in comparison to what I've discovered about the accuser and her family. I don't care if she killed a whole orphanage. Okay? If this pastor is committing adultery, he needs to be thrown out. That has, he's using worldly tactics here. That's what they do in the, in the court system. This has nothing to do with anything. Says, having studied her sordid Facebook page, I have discovered the accuser to be a godless, narcissistic, and self-promoting individual. Other members of her family have a history of accusing others. I personally believe that Brother Cameron has grounds for civil action against this accuser if he chooses to take that course. Probably trying to scare her into thinking I might get sued. But you all realize just how irrelevant and how stupid that was? I mean, you think of the biggest hussy that's ever walked the face of the earth. I'm sorry. A pastor ought to be able to control himself. And if I don't care what he does, who it is, if he commits adultery, he ought to be thrown out of his church. Okay? It does not matter. So just that, that, is, that was one of the dumbest things I read in that entire post. This is not about that woman. We obviously know she has issues. Okay? But at the same time, if he did in fact do these things, was having an inappropriate relationship, he is not qualified to be pastoring or even involved in a Bible college around a bunch of young people. Makes sense that's what kind of job he'd want to have. But look at Ephesians 5 3. Uh, 5 3 and 5 says, So they failed. These churches, they failed to take sin serious in their churches. It says in Ephesians 5, 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint. Okay? Not, not once. Don't let this stuff happen. But if it does happen, you know what you do? It's okay. Let, let it not be once named among you as become a saint. Well, how can we do that? If something happens, it happens. But you know, we can still make sure we don't have any fornicators in the church. How do we do it? Somebody fornicates, they're gone. They're, they're out of here. Okay? And, but they don't do that they all go right into restoration before they've even done anything to them. Before they've even... They, and they never make it public. They never get up and they never let the congregation know. Listen, if we think it's okay, if we think you know pedophiles and things can be 
re, you know, they can recover and all that stuff. All right? Even if we believe that, if we had a pervert or a pedophile in here that we're wanting to restore, wouldn't you as a parent like to know about this guy? Say, hey, we believe this man can be restored, but just so you know, he has a history of molesting kids. You know, hey, husbands, wouldn't you like to know if there's a man in this church that has a history of messing with other people's wives? Wouldn't you want to know, hey, we probably we might not want to have this guy over for dinner. You know? He's one of these guys, you know, we want to have you know, they say have one eye it's like what some of these preachers say they want to have one hand on your wallet and your one hand on your wife and both eyes on him, you know, because these guys can't be trusted. There there's there's crooks out there, and it blows my mind. A lot of times when these guys get caught, you find out they've done these things before. And nobody did anything about it. Oh, we did something about it. We slapped him in the hand and we restored him, like the Bible says. But here's the thing, nobody in your church knew about it. Why not? You know, because they didn't... The Bible says, these people want to talk about how biblical they are. But it says in 1 Timothy 5.20, Them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. I hope every pervert in the ministry had a cold chill run up their spine when they watched Pastor Shiflett's video. It should have freaked them all out. I hope that kind of thing freaks them out. If we ever have a pervert in here, I hope he hears this message and I hope it freaks him out and I hope it makes him run to one of the other churches in town. Because he's not going to want to have anything to do with this place because he knows he's going to get busted. But Tom Neely kept talking about Stacy Shiflett's threat. Once again, like it, was, like it was a bad thing. Hey, these are not threats. We will do these things. But the old IFB, they'd rather sweep things under the rug than deal with the sin. They're, and, they're, and I don't have time to go into this, but their form of restoration they preach, it's a perverted form of restoration. It's a perversion of the Scriptures. They do. They fail to warn the people. They do not rebuke them for all, before all that others may fear. That's why it keeps happening in their church. Everybody sees everybody getting away with it. You've got to rebuke them before all. But here's, here's just a bonus gem for the article. I'll, I'll close with this. This, this, was, this was... I saw that. Stacey Shiflett has obviously been bullied sometime in his life. I don't know how, and I don't know when. But it's obvious he has been bullied. A trained counselor who watched his video and read his writings said he immediately detected the signs of a man who had been bullied or even abused in his past. In the video, he said he'd been abused in the past. In the video, he said he'd been taken advantage of. He had had things done to him. In the video, he said, hey, this kind of junk has happened to me in the past. So this means something to me. I'm thinking, brilliant. Deduction, Watson. You, from reading that and watching the video, you figured out from him saying, I've been messed with in the past, that he's been messed with in the past. What an idiot. That, when I read that, I was like, are you kidding me? A trained counselor. Well, I wonder how many years he had to go to school to do that. I, I, I did one class in counseling in Bible college, but you know, I, I don't consider myself an expert in that. But man, I saw that. From when he said, I was molested. I, I got it from that. I was like, what a bunch of morons. I, I know oh, he's an old preacher. You can't say that. I'm sorry. That was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life right there. That was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. He's trying to act like, man, we've consulted professionals analyzing this man. And we figured out something that everyone else figured out just from knowing the English language. What a bunch of idiots. But in the old IFB world... 
they've created pastors where, or churches where pastor is king and everyone else, y'all are just loyal subjects. Your job is to sit down, shut up, and give your money. That's your job. A biblical church is one where a pastor is an overseer. One who is overseeing a body of believers where everyone's participating. Where everyone's involved. Everyone's working. Everyone, it is, it's our job. It is our job as a congregation to judge things within the church and we're not to be respected as a person while we do it. I don't just get to make extra judgment. I'm older than you. You're, and therefore, I'm smarter. No, there's, there's ways to do these things. The Bible is very clear. And I brought this up because this kind of foolishness is running rampant in churches. And I don't want anybody to think that this is, this is right. This is how things ought to be done. What this man was teaching in that article is not the way we're going to run things in this church. If you are a pervert, you should be so scared of this place. You should be so afraid of getting exposed because we will help, we will help you into prison the best that we can. And we're going, to, we're going to make sure you go there and then we're going to pray you get hit by the bus when you get out. Because we don't want you... I don't think perverts recover. And so, uh, I hope this uh, is, is, will be helpful and we need to make sure that we watch out for these things and understand what our role really is. So I hope this will help. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. We thank You for Your Word and how it helps us. I pray You'll help us to, as a church to practice these things. Lord, I pray that anyone who uh, ever even consider being a pervert coming here, Lord, I pray they'll hear this message and be terrified of this place. I pray, Lord, that uh, others will learn from the examples of pastors like Pastor Shiflett who are trying to set an example in exposing perverts in churches. I pray that uh, others will step up and do the same thing. And I pray these uh, defenders of perverts, Lord, I pray that they'll just uh, get out of the way and folks will forget about them and realize these are uh, nothing but corpses that have uh, died in the battle and that we'll move on and uh, keep on fighting the fight you called us to fight. And I pray you'll bless each one for it. In your name we pray. Amen.